Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and would draft Terry McLaurin over Amari Cooper 10, ta- 10 times out of five, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by some of the guys. We have El Sabatua, proud father of Quentin Nelson, Scotty Miller fanboy, and has spent the last 48 hours watching the Batman trailer on loop, the working girl, Jordan Smith. And fantasy football's premier internet doctor, loather of Adam Gase, the number two Walter Sobchak, but number one Tarzan, and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, ginger mustache man Nick Botterford. This is actually a podcast of mustached men currently. Uh, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Ticklish. With our mustache. How are you, Pete? Ticklish? <laughs> Nick is feeling ticklish today, everyone. It's good to know. Good to know. How are you? I am well. Getting myself, we're getting settled into uh, into my parents' cabin. Bert is currently, I don't know if the mic is going to pick it up, but is currently uh, digging ferociously into his, his new dog bed, trying to get himself comfortable. This is, we purposely got this bed to thwart his, he tends to go for the seam. So any kind of dog bed that like has the seam stitching beneath kind of where like the headrests are, or where like pillows are, or any kind of sides, He'll go right for the seam and just like tear it. So this whole dog bed is, has all the seams on the outside of the bed. Um, and so I think he's desperately digging, trying to find a seam to go at, but he is being thwarted successfully. So that is a uh, nice find. What we found with George was that he, he basically does the same thing. And there's one well-known brand that markets itself as indestructible and it's not indestructible. So if this doesn't work, then just buy cheap beds, just plan on, yeah, that's what that's bets. what we've been doing it to, to, and also like at a certain point, I don't know how old is George. George will be uh, two years old on October first. Okay, because I feel like at some point, like around three, they dogs tend to like you get a big settling period where then you're kind of like fine, and they're they they're well past the puppy stage enough so that you know you, when you introduce reintroduce a dog bed, they don't go ballistic on it. But uh, yeah. But clearly, that is not where Bert is at all of ten months. Now he's maybe settled. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. So this is, so far it's been holding up, which is a success. It's down here with me in the basement. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it's, it's good. It is getting a vigorous scratching currently. So if if I suddenly lose train of thought in the midst of what I am saying, it's probably because I'm having all this noise in the back. Ah, uh, all right. Well, we are a week away. Two weeks away, I guess technically a week this thursday a week from that thursday will be the first game of nfl football for 2020 but what that means is we're a week away really from the last time to draft if you're going to draft before the season starts so we are going to talk obviously 
the fantasy news that has gone down. And we have some news. Some big stuff has gone down, you guys, which we are going to touch on. And then we're also going to talk of some players who we just can't get enough of. Uh, so when you're preparing for your draft, you can make sure to target all the players we tell you to target and then blame us when they don't live up to expectations. Or give us full credit when they do live up to expectations and you win because of us. But before we get to that, let us do some news. And obviously leading off the news is... The surprising slash maybe not surprising because they did try to trade him pretty aggressively this offseason, but the Jaguars released Leonard Fournette. Uh, so he is now a free agent running back. Uh, we have had lots of debates about Fournette on this podcast as to whether or not he is worth anything in fantasy. He is now a free agent, now gets to go to any team that wants him. Jordan, is there a team that you are like, mm, low-key, if Leonard Fournette signed there, I would be in on him for 2020 in terms of fantasy production? Um, try to think about this. I was only thinking of uh, laughing scenarios because of the Alvin Kamara news, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But I'm like, oh, what if the Saints just bring Leonard Fournette home on a cheap deal because the uh, he's already got some money in the bank? Um, but I, I, there was one team. I think maybe Washington would be like a very. Uh, they already have Adrian Peterson. If they want to bring in another person who's almost runs exactly like adrian peterson just kind of a hard-nosed like looking for contact type of running back but like 10 years younger then that would be a solid fit for them if they don't think their stable of running backs is currently up to snuff nick is there a team for you that you're like oh man i know you of everyone on this podcast nick you are the biggest leonard Fournette fan and you would love for him to have a successful career moving forward and and thrive in the fantasy all of those all the leonard Fournette shares that you drafted in all of your fantasy leagues really need him to go to a good team i I mean what's funny is like wherever he goes he's just gonna nuke that backfield and i think the most likely scenario is chicago with dave montgomery uh, was he it injured his groin? This could be like yeah. a four week injury. Um, I, I don't forgive me if this is controversial. Maybe we need to talk about it. I don't think highly of Tariq Cohen. I don't think that he's good at football. Um, they could bring Fournette in there to be their, their like banger. Uh, cause I mean, Cohen's going to get a ton of work, but I don't think he's very good. Um, but I, yeah, I, the, the problem with Fournette is that he has no work ethic, right? Like the, the, the quotes from last year when he was on by and they interviewed him and said, what did you do on by? And he said, I never worked out once. I didn't pick up a weight. I didn't hit the treadmill. I laid in bed and ate gumbo. Like that, that's always been a problem. It's why he's 240 pounds or whatever. I think he'd be a tough guy to let in the locker room. I could see somebody doing a one-year deal like Chicago. Yeah, Chicago seems to make a lot of sense. I've seen the Patriots batted around. I've heard that I think both them and Chicago are the two teams most likely to kind of uh, reach out and kind of get a sense. Patriots make a lot of sense. Uh, Damian Harris has been balling out in in, pra- in practices and in training camps leading up to the season, but Sony Michelle hasn't really done much of anything since entering the league, and James White is not a back that you can rely on in terms of running between the tackles. He can do it, but he's not. It's not his game. And sexy Rexy, I mean, the Patriots just seem like they, you also have to think about cap space too. And the Patriots have the cap in order to do it. The team, (laughs) there are two teams, excuse me, two teams that make mild sense to me. And I would love it purely just to watch like fantasy minds melt. Uh, A lot of people have batted around the chiefs 
as an option uh, because of the fact that Andy Reid has done this before uh, with Brian Westbrook in Philadelphia, was having a kind of a big bruising back to pair with the smaller back in Westbrook. So if that happened, that would just be incredible. I would love watching everyone who drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first you know, five picks just weep uh, because they reached high for a, a rookie. Uh, or also uh, 49ers, since you have Raheem Mostert as <sighs> – Yes, he was great at the end of the season, but he's been – has he been dealing with injuries? I, I thought I something – maybe he hasn't been dealing with injuries. I haven't seen injury. I mean, he had the the threat to hold out, and he demanded a trade Okay, to, maybe to that was Okay, maybe that contract. was the only thing that was kind of up in the air. But anyways, so there's, a, there's a lot of room. Of, there's a lot of – I feel like there's possibilities for Leonard Fournette. I want – I would love for him to succeed. I also do think that maybe not quite to Todd Gurley – well, Todd Gurley I don't think is quite – an example of it because I think the Rams are a pretty well-run franchise. I do think Leonard Fournette, I would be curious to see what he is like in a franchise that is possibly well-run and maybe a little more like analytically driven. I'm just curious to see whether or not that invigorates him uh, to be kind of the back that we saw in college or maybe not, maybe it never translates, but it's certainly interesting. It's a big move that Jaguars made. Uh, And now that backfield, I know Nick, were you planning on talking about them later? Should we should we save that backfield talk for later? Yeah, yeah. Let's pause. Okay, we'll save that back that backfield talk for for later then. All right. Second in the news, uh, Miles Sanders has been struggling through a hamstring, uh, which has me all kinds of worried since I just drafted him in one in my home league. Uh, and now, speaking speaking of Leonard Fournette landing spots, paranoid that the Eagles are going to go sign Leonard Fournette and just completely nuke Miles Sanders' fantasy value, despite the fact that I. I really wanted, you know, I went and got him in my home league and I was all cocky about it. And uh, now I'm paranoid that it's going to get, get absolutely thwarted. As our resident doctor, are you, Nick, are you worried about Miles Sanders and the fact that this is, this is taking, seemingly it's slowing him down in training camp? Uh, I've been just following the advice of the, uh, the inside the birds guys. And it's, it's what uh, Adam Kaplan and, and Jeff Mosher, um, their, their initial, uh, reporting on it basically seemed to indicate that they found out what the injury is and they just said take a deep breath he is okay he's not going to miss time and they uh, they hinted at I think it was um, knee or ankle in which both cases if it's I assume it's not like terrible right um, it'd be an MCL sprain a meniscus sprain or like I uh I'm blanking on the term, but basically a, a low ankle sprain. All of those things are, are pretty standard for NFL players. They like uh, Kittle. Kittle had them last year. Uh, the the MCL and the ankle. I know they they t- tend to sprain at the same time given the mechanism. But it's you know it what it means is a micro tear in, in the the fabric of the tendon, and uh, it's a it's a rest and rehab injury. And those kind of things can take about a month. And so I, I think with the time that he did it, I, I think he's going to be okay. That's what the beat guys are saying and, and they're beat guys that I trust. There's a lot that I don't trust, but I trust. Yeah. Them. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I'm not really worried about um, injuries that aren't like significant tears or strains right now, just because it's, it's training camp. And I think teams are more likely, especially with the lack of contact uh, training that they're able to get and the lack of practices just in general that teams are more likely to put their guys on the injury report for like minor dings and um, I, I think this when I hear injuries like this or like 
some some worry like some chatter about worry i'm like yeah this seems like it's an injury that if it were week eight or week nine or even earlier than that that he'd probably be playing anyway like just that's just the way nfl players are wired cool cool and yes for all those listeners out there i did hijack the news just to get Jordan and Nick to reaffirm that Miles Sanders, my second round pick on my home team will be okay. And that it was a good pick by me. So yes, this is what happens when you host the show and you just recently had a, uh, a fantasy draft. You get to do these things. Our uh, <laughs> quick side note, side tangent are <laughs> the guy who had our number one pick completely spaced and missed the draft time. So he got auto drafted through his first three picks. Sleepers auto draft is just absolutely fucking incredible i don't know what their algorithm is but we play in a super flex league <laughs> his, his first three picks he went 101 patrick mahomes <laughs> and then it snaked back to him in the second round took joe mixon and then at the 301 took dak prescott auto draft just completely nailing it so he came to a team that he's absolutely super excited about <laughs> oh so you, you meant really incredible <laughs> oh it's just insane i don't know what i don't know what sleepers uh algorithm is but they clearly did not get the memo that you don't draft quarterbacks early uh all right finally in the news we are not worried about miles sanders but are we worried about alvin kamara who has had an unexcused absence the last three days according to shefty uh and might be contact contract related so hello holdout jordan are you worried um I'm kind of worried about Alvin Kamara in general. Um, I'm not sure he is the type of running back that they're just like, hey, I'm going to hand over the full reins of the running back workload too. I think they've proven that with um, limiting how many touches they want him to have. Latavius Murray is uh, still in the backfield right now, and they have a really good offensive line, so they can very well put like a replacement-level guy out there on the field. Um, I'm not sure how much Alvin Kamara, or how much leverage Alvin Kamara has right now. And I'm not sure how much leverage running backs in general should have um, with contract negotiations. Unless you're Zeke Elliott playing for the Cowboys and the Cowboys will just give you whatever you want. I'm, I'm always a little bit worried when running backs hold out. Yeah, this sucks. Um, this is not the kind of thing that you want uh, this close to the, the start of the season um, there, I, I updated the, uh, the saints preview piece, which everybody should go check all those out. I'm up to like 60 pages or something like that of writing uh, yes. on, on all of go the to teams.com. Nick is doing for those who don't know, Nick is doing a team by team breakdown, talking every single player on the team on each team who has fantasy relevance for 2020. So before you draft, make sure you are doing your research. Uh, and fake teams is the only place, literally no other place in the internet will give you good, reliable information like fake teams. I promise you. Promise Thanks, Pete. You. So uh, yeah, anyway, um, it's it's not good. Like uh, this, this is giving me uh, uh, feelings of Le'Veon Bell two years ago. I mean, it, it it's it's surprising to me that that they were able to go for three days without the news getting out. Although uh, Nick Underhill of New Orleans dot football, well, apparently was on this from the beginning. So we all need to go listen to what he has to say. Uh, but you know, Danny Kelly, he went through Kamara's Twitter feed, found the "I'm sorry" in advance tweet that he put out there. It, all of the signs point to him. Yeah. The, and all of the signs point to him being willing to sit out. This is a little bit different than Joe Mixon faking migraines and Dalvin Cook saying that he's just shelving the the uh the contract talk for now. Um 
will he sit out? I don't know. But all of a sudden, I'm pretty okay with taking Derrick Henry instead of Kamara at the, the 104 spot. Um, regardless, it doesn't matter if you drafted Kamara. We all need to go try to get uh, Latavius Murray. Yes. He costs nothing, and his, his value is very high right now. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask. You already kind of did it, Nick, but I was going to ask. If if Kamara, if you were drafting this weekend and Kamara was sitting there at the 106, do you have, are you – are you confident in taking him there considering he's going RB four in uh, fantasy pros, half point PPR fifth overall. If he slid one pick or two picks, are you still, are you like, you know what? I'll, I'll take the, even, even one pick is a discount that I'm willing to take or at one Oh six. Are you still like, God, I am not sold Uh, for me. It, it, uh, suddenly I'm, I'm looking uh, long and hard at uh, like Derek Henry, uh, Dalvin cook, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, um, all these guys with insane potential uh, who aren't threatening to hold out. I mean, Cook, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Cook goes to the bottom of that list. But I, I probably – geez, this is really tough. I probably would take Kamara at the, like, 110 right now. Jordan, what about you? Today. Yeah, I was actually going to say, too, I would take him because I've been this person before. I like when Ezekiel Elliott has held out like he's held up for like two seasons, at least, I feel like um, he always seems to start the year like with some question about whether or not he's going to yeah, play. No, it was the holdout and then the possible suspension and all that. Right. There it is. Yeah, that that's what happened. But I've been willing in redraft leagues to draft a guy like Zeke Elliott and probably Alvin Kamara now if he's like in the later half of the first round, like after pick nine or ten, and you can get like a quick turnaround. You can get another one of the top tier guys um, right away in the second round and then just kind of, you know, hope that if there's a holdout, it only lasts like a couple weeks, a month or so, and just be confident in your ability to just hang on for like the first month first half of the season because I mean one if he comes back once he does you know you got a a fresh first round running back who can come in and like carry you to the rest of the playoffs so it's all about just trying to trying to hang on if you do decide to get Alvin Kamara late there sweet well there you go there's the news right now Uh, and now we're going to start talking some players who we love so if you haven't already had your fantasy draft then it's 100% happening this weekend. Uh, so with this being the final week of your research, crunching the data, figuring out your perfect fantasy draft targets, we are here to help. And we each have three players uh, who we cannot get enough of this year in fantasy and are drafting in all of our leagues. Now, we have talked about a lot of guys. There have been plenty of names that we've talked about on this show so far. Uh, Adam Thielen, James Conner, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Marvin Jones, uh, to name a few, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know the names that we're talking about. So we are going to try to steer away from those guys because. We have expressed our admiration and obsession and love for them plenty uh, in 2020. So you should still definitely be targeting those guys. These guys, though, uh, we're going to touch on some names that we haven't spent a lot of time talking about. And you should be still 100% targeting in your drafts and also that are a little bit later in your drafts. So, you know, those top guys, you probably know who you want and you've got that plan set up. But then once it comes to, you know, middle to late rounds, you're like, eh, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? I'm going with the flow. Well, Here's the flow that you should be going with. Uh, and I'll start us off because the guy, first guy who I want to talk about ties into Leonard Fournette. And I, I spiced it up a little bit, you guys. I know I sent my three ahead of time, but I'm changing one of them because I have to talk about DJ Chark. 
because DJ Chark is going as the wide receiver 21 right now, coming off of a year in which he finished the wide receiver 16. Uh, and without Leonard Fournette, Gardner Minshew is going to throw the ball 550 plus times. <laughs> so I just think that DJ Chark is going to step his already monopoly on this offense has just gotten even larger with the release of Leonard Fournette. He uh, just seems like a guy who he had 118 targets last year. I think that easily pushes 125, 100, well, 120, 125 uh, this year. And w- another year with Gardner Minshew, those two will get better acquainted, better connected. I just think that he is a guy who you can draft going as like a wide receiver, you know, three who you can get uh, and could pro- good, good will give regularly give you wide receiver two production and could give you wide receiver one on any given week. So I like him. I like him a lot. And if you want a sneaky, sneaky later guy, uh, LaVisca Chenault, you should also be targeting because I think that's now the RB one in uh, Jacksonville. LaVisca Chenault being the RB one is a pretty hot take right now. Um, (laughs) I will say though, that a piece of news that we didn't touch on was um, Yannick Ngakwe getting traded away from the Jags. So if it's one thing that the Jacksonville Jaguars like to do down there, it's either draft very poorly with the first overall picks or just trade them away and get rid of them in some way. Um, So the defense is not going to be as good. They've lost a lot of blue chip prospects over the past couple of years, uh, just from pure dissatisfaction. So I anticipate a lot of, uh, a lot of that to actually continue um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars people being dissatisfied, a lot of disgruntledness. Uh, And when that happens, teams lose. And when teams lose, they try to toss the ball around the yard a lot to get back into football games. So with that being said, this is just a long way to say that DJ Chark could get a lot of targets this year because the Jaguars will have to pass. The only thing I'm going to add is that uh, just, just to make an earlier correction, Pete, he's going as the wide receiver uh, 21 in half point PBR. And I think that's an appropriate price. Vic, who you uh, can't get enough of in fantasy drafts this year. Yeah, so evidently it's the same thing as last year, but uh, Kenyon Drake is walking around in a walking boot. He has said that he's okay. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury has said that uh, it's, quote, nicks and bruises. Um, But that's a big deal. If in two training camps, and this one's an abbreviated one, uh, just working out is it puts you into a walking boot. I do think it speaks to his fragility. That said, I'm still taking him as a running back one, but the guy that I, I... want to get on all my rosters even if I don't have Kenyon Drake is Chase Edmonds Kingsbury's spoken really highly of him called him a uh, a starting running back in the NFL I think that that's true his skill set is dual threat it is uh, a pass catcher and a talented rusher when he filled in for Drake or or whomever it was at what point in the year uh he had you know some King Kong box scores last year he's shown that he can do it and and um he didn't look bad doing it. It was not just a volume uh, event. So yeah, draft uh, draft Chase Edmonds. Just put him on your roster. It's these uh, ambiguous backfields where he he's likely to have ten to twelve touches on his own uh, that we want to go after in the late rounds. And I think I I won't pretend to say that I've watched enough enough Chase Edmonds tape to know exactly what kind of player he is. But I'm also I would put faith in the fact that Cliff Kingsbury this offense clearly opens up a lot of space for running backs to be successful. And the fact that Kenyon Drake got traded mid season and basically was being told what to do whilst the, uh, 
the game was going on and still like in his first game managed to rush for like 130 yards and two touchdowns against the San Francisco defense makes me think that like any running back who has marginal talent and, and decent athleticism will be able to put up numbers in Cliff's uh, offense. And so if, if Chase Edmonds is that number two guy, like you said, Nick, if he sees five to 10 touches per game, just on his own, you know, those touches are going to be productive. And if anything happens to Kenyon Drake, or I mean, you can also say that David Johnson was there and everyone was super hyped about David Johnson and David Johnson kind of started off 2019, pretty slow. Didn't look great. Wasn't ready. So they went out and got Kenyon Drake. If Kenyon Drake starts off the season, doesn't look great, you know, gets banged up or is not as productive as they want. I don't feel like this team is, has any commitment to him where they're going to be like, no, we got to ride or die with Kenyon Drake. Um, and so it could be something where Chase Edmonds maybe gets work early, earlier than expected. And I still, I agree with you. I still think Kenyon Drake is, I am speaking purely in hypotheticals here. I'm fully in on Kenyon Drake, but uh, Chase Edmonds is certainly a good running back to have in those later rounds. Yeah. Um, excuse me. I'm always pretty pro uh, handcuff running back, especially when it's an issue of um, like maybe the running back is new. They just got there or they have like an injury history or lingering injuries. And Kenyon Drake's never been a guy who's carried the full load of the backfield. Like even in Miami, for whatever reason, he was sharing the workload with several different backs over his time there. Um, So yeah, uh, handcuffing Chase Edmonds to him, especially when the coach says like, Hey, he looks like a starting NFL running back. Then, you know, he might get some playtime regardless of whether Kenyon Drake is even injured or not. Yeah, it could be that this maybe we see this backfield be more of a committee than people are anticipating, which I can't say I would love that. Uh, Jordan, who's your first guy? Um, so the first guy uh, that I'm trying to grab in each draft this year is Jordan Howard. Um, I've already talked about him in under league winners when we did AFC East, so I won't pontificate on it too much. Um, but he's 89th overall, uh, running back 32. Um, and, and I really just wanted to take a minute to uh, praise Brian Flores just because I kind of like what he's done as a coach for the Dolphins for uh, just the short time he's been there. Um, It seems like they're finally a team that's making a lot of good moves. And um, I I like when players go to teams with good coaches, especially during this wonky off season. Um, So Brian Flores can prove me right. That's only a bonus for drafting Jordan Howard. Um, And I think a lot of people, uh, if they don't think like me, we'll end up being out on Jordan Howard just because he's on his third team in three years. Um, you know, he's got, he's just not been the guy who's like hung on to a certain areas and being in Miami might be a little bit scary, especially when the offensive line there is like a little bit, uh Oh, uh, this season. Um, but according to beat reporters, he's going to be a top goal line option. Um, and, like I said in our um, previous podcast, he was surprisingly efficient last year with Philadelphia being the sixth ranked running back by DVOA. Um, so if you can get him as like your fourth running back um, and he's still going to be a potential starter, I think that's a pretty good flyer to take down at 89 overall. Um, yeah, I think for me, I'm, I'm probably going to try to aim like higher, higher upside in at this point in the draft uh, as far as running backs go, because I'm just concerned over the fact that he's, you know, he's kind of like the Adrian Peterson um, cannot catch the ball kind of thing. But uh, if for whatever reason, even though, you know, behind the bad offensive line, the Dolphins are able to uh, find themselves in scoring position more than I think they will be, 
then yeah, he, he would have touchdown based upside. Um, you know, he's a flyer pick, but, uh, yeah, I'm more interested in guys who have uh, a lot, lot, uh, more complete of a skill set. I like him because I think that the Dolphins backfield, like even if both him and Matt, they're that running back duo or room last year was just so God awful that the only way, only place they can go is up. And I do think that Brian Flores being of the new England, uh, coaching tree is probably going to be, and, and given Matt Breed is also injury history is that you're going to have, uh, a running back committee. And so I think Jordan Howard is going to get, there's, it's not going to be one clear guy, uh, which will be frustrating through from week to week. But I also think that that still means that there's going to be enough production there for a guy like Jordan Howard, who has been low key productive wherever he's been uh, to, to get you some fancy points, especially like you said, Jordan, if he's going as an RB four or five, like that's your, that's a tail end of the draft that has some potential upside and is starting when you're normally drafting like guys who are second string. Uh, running backs and hoping that they get a shot at, at a starting gig fourth or uh, just real quick fourth or fifth running back on your team not rb4 or five okay fourth or fifth running yeah. back on your team still still uh all right well we've got each got two more guys that we're going to talk about but before we do that we are going to take a quick advertisement hiatus you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy what are you doing later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. A player who I cannot get enough of, and I will tell you, I drafted him in my home league this weekend and I was real cocky about it. Everyone else in my league, like I said earlier, drafting their quarterbacks nice and early. Yours truly waited all the way to the 14th round to draft his first quarterback. And you know, I had to go with my boy, Cam Newton. Cam Newton has looked incredible in the Patriots camp. Uh, The fact that there's even a discussion about who's going to be the starting QB for the Patriots this year is just absolutely gobsmacking. Um, this is you're buying on the upside here. And, and for me personally, there are so many fine quarterbacks. If you wait for quarterbacks that I'm taking cam, I'm trusting that if he doesn't pan out, I can, I can fill, find someone serviceable still on waivers. But I think that cam Newton, anytime he has been healthy in, in an offense has been a fantasy force. He was a top 12 run. Uh, I was going to say running back, which we will, I mean, he is basically, but he was a top, he was a top 12 quarterback in 2018 when he played 14 games for the Panthers and was starting to play in that North Turner, an offense that was actually kind of constructed to take advantage of him uh, in terms of passing. 
it's always been able to take advantage of him in terms of rushing. And then obviously last year he got injured way too early into the season. Now he's had full year of recovery from those injuries. Everything coming out of Patriots training camp has said that he has looked great. He has looked healthy. He's going as the quarterback 24. Uh, and I just, I think that if we're seeing, we are going to see a pissed off, angry Cam Newton who wants to prove to the NFL that he still has so much left in the tank and that the injuries haven't like made him worse or, or, or taken away any of the things that he can do playing for a Patriots team in which Bill Belichick would love nothing more than to prove that Tom Brady was not the key to his success. And actually he was the mastermind behind the dynasty. And so we'll be doing everything in his power to win with this team. Uh, So I love that combination. I'm all about that narrative. And Cam Newton as my QB one, I will take it no matter what, even if you draft him as your QB two or a backup quarterback, that's where he's going. I was just crazy. And I took him as my QB one. Don't follow in my footsteps unless you want to. I, I find it really reassuring that this happened in a Pete Rogers home league, which I'm assuming is a New England <laughs> Patriots associated league. They were um, all sleeping on him. It was stupid. It's that's crazy. It's I don't I don't think that there's a whole lot to think about here. It's a former NFL MVP who, like you said, has had about a year of rest. Um, he's now playing with the greatest football coach of all time. I, I guess I mean he's, he's 31. Like he's Theoretically, you'd have like eight years left in his career. Like, (laughs) yeah, I I don't, I don't, this, this is, I think in hindsight going to be a, uh, well, no shit. We should have taken him as like the quarterback five. Um, Yeah. Nice pick. Yeah. I think when you can get a guy of Cam Newton's caliber that late in the draft, then that's a pretty good look. And it fits with the whole idea of just, just sit and wait on QB. You can get one or two guys in the back end of the draft that, could each have the potential to um, hop up into the top 12. Um, if Cam Newton's healthy, there's really nothing about his history, whether that's, uh, you know, getting booted off the team in Florida, uh, going to Blinn College in Texas, then going to Auburn, winning a national championship. This guy is just a driven NFL quarterback. So there's nothing about his history, I would say, that suggests that he can't come back and uh, be just as strong as ever. So, yeah, that's built on a lot of narrative, but Cam Newton is just one of those guys. He's he's wired to win. Um, so I think he could put up pretty decent stats, even though the pass catchers I'm still a little iffy on. Yeah, shout out to Cam Newton's uh, college history of sneaking into the professor's office and erasing other people's names on tests <laughs> to claim them as his own. Hey, man. Fits right in with the Patriots. If you're not cheating to win, you're not doing it right. It's yeah. Not all cheating is created (laughs) equally. And there he's in the best spot to do it. I'm here. Uh, Nick, give me another guy who you're targeting in all your leagues. Cool. So yeah, I'm going to circle back to what we were talking about earlier. It's not terribly sexy, so we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. But uh, while Leonard Fournette was eating gumbo and, uh, Reichwell Armstead was on the COVID reserve list. Divina Zigbo was eating up uh, reps in practice. And I don't know if he's ultimately going to be like a dual threat guy. I, I think that that uh, Chris Thompson is absolutely going to be a part of the passing game out of the backfield. Um, but I think it was Zigbo is worth a late round flyer. He has reportedly looked good in practice. But this is a two-part answer here. LaVisca Chenault played every friggin' position in college, right? I mean, he was 
predominantly a pass catcher, but he lined up at Wildcat. He 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 rushed. They get into the the red zone. They they'd have him just take the direct snap. He's a really talented guy. He's one of those guys. I, I have not looked at this, but I would not be surprised. I think I think I've got it here in front of me. If he was okay, not okay. He did. He, I was I was going to look at his his return history because like kickoff returning or punt returning is one of those yeah, like you pretty know, well. Yeah. But point being, Chenault could be suddenly in line for like 12 touches uh, out of the backfield or, or just creatively used somehow. And I, I think that he is more than just like a Denard Robinson. I, I, he, he appears to be a, a serious, uh, seriously capable pass catcher who has rushing ability. So using late round uh, dart throw on either Azigbo or LaVisca Chanel, I think is a could pay dividends. And, and I, with your last two picks in the draft, if you got a huge bench, then take them both. Yeah, I love. I mean, I made the joke about Lavisca Chanel being their RB one, uh, and I was my, I was only half joking because I think that the thing that he gets is while you might have worry about who exactly the running back is going to be that headlines the Jaguars backfield, Lavisca Chanel is going to be like an, a do it all. They drafted him for an express purpose and he is can play in the backfield. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He could be that, that in, in that motion, moving all over the field. And they're going to do that. They're like, they are going to use him with, for that express purpose of playing him all over the place. So I think he's like, I mean, I, I think even if he's not there, like if he doesn't play any running back for them, I think he's a pr- great wide receiver to get uh, because I think he's going to be the number two guy on that team behind TJ chart. And Without Leonard Fournette, if they get real creepy and sneaky, creepy, I don't know why I said that, wacky and sneaky, uh, and and use him as like maybe a little bit more of a running back than we anticipate, then he just has his value is just you know going to skyrocket. I well, love. That. I think I think he's actually really similar to what Jalen Hurd might have been, where he very mm-hmm. well he very well may lock down the slot receiver role, and then suddenly is also taking like six carries. Yeah, yeah. Which that's I mean in a PPR league that is money. Um, I, I like Chenault's value in like a dynasty league. I'm probably without Leonard Fournette there, not uh, extraordinarily high on the Jaguars backfield. Um, he, I mean, if he's going off the board for free, like maybe, um, but I might want to use some of my bench spots for other players. LaVisca Chenault slipped in the draft because of a foot issue and, um, yeah, I'm just I'm a little worried about uh, his viability. Jordan, uh, who you who's another guy that you can't leave drafts without? Um, so I, I put Baker Mayfield on this list because um, he he has the potential, kind of like Cam Newton, where you draft him late and you can get another guy in the same area and see if one of them pans out. Uh, so he could be a flyer or he could just be a starter on your team. Um, and I, I think this is the season that we kind of have to see if Baker Mayfield is a viable NFL starter, not just a viable fantasy starter. Um, so despite being in a really funky offense last season, and by funky, I mean bad, uh, he still managed to finish <laughs> as QB 20. Um, so I think in a new system, he'll improve that standing. Um, he's going currently as QB 15, 124 overall. And uh, QB 15 is exactly what Kirk Cousins finished as last year. Um, in the same like Kevin Stefanski esque system, um, he's surrounded by a ton of weapons: um, Jarvis Landry, Odell, uh, David Njoku is still there, Nick Chubb, 
Kareem Hunt's still there, but they've added Austin Hooper. Um, so they're giving him the tools to um, be able to work the ball in different areas of the field. Uh, the offensive line has gotten better. It's improved. And um, I, I just think in, in the range of 124 overall, like that late in the draft, that's when you start thinking about which QB I'm going to start taking just to really fill up spots. And if Baker Mayfield's going to prove that he's the guy, it's got to be this year. I did the, uh, I, I wrote the uh, preview for the Browns today, and I was getting pretty excited really for all of the, the prominent uh, players on, on the offense. Mayfield is, and, and I just have to keep advertising this, that Sharp Football's 2020 football preview, the information there is incredible. Um, but he, basically, Mayfield splits in three receiver sets. All right, he's, he's bad in three receiver sets, and he is excellent in two tight end sets. And Kevin Stefanski last year with the Vikings, they ran, uh, I think it, their, their 11 personnel percentage was 35% under league average, and that's three receiver sets. And their uh, two tight end, uh, percentage was second highest in the league. It was fourteen uh, percent higher than than average. So I mean, I I don't, and I put this in the piece. I don't know if there's a better uh, coaching match for Baker Mayfield than Kevin Stefanski. I don't think that he's going to necessarily be a high volume passer, but I think that he's a, a perfect guy to draft in conjunction with Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, these late round guys who on a weekly basis, you're going to have somebody who you can start that will finish in the top 12. Yeah. And, and this could be the year that Baker does all of the exciting things that we want, that we were expecting from him his rookie year. Now that he's in an offense, that's actually smart and in an, like a, a squad a scheme that's going to be tailored to him rather than like trying to force him into, into it. So I, I, I love that. I love Baker Mayfield taking another flyer on him, especially since I feel like I love players who other people in your league are going to probably just willfully pass on because for whatever reason, they left a bad taste in their mouth. Like Baker's last year was, and the Browns last year was so bad and so highly publicized that I feel like people are going to be like, nah, I don't want to deal with that. And so you can swoop in and probably get him even a couple rounds later than what he's going in terms of ADP in your own home league because of the fact that people are going to be like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that again. And you're like, psych, I'll deal with it. All right. And let's wrap it up. Uh, each got one more left. My guy, my final guy who I cannot and will not leave a draft without Curtis Samuel going wide receiver 60 for the Carolina Panthers. And I know we've touched on him. I know he was a popular topic. We talked about uh, back when we did our, was that NFC South uh, deep dive. So go listen to that. If you want to hear a little bit more, I won't get into too much for Samuel. Basically Samuel is a guy who had saw 105 targets last year. So s- certainly there's a ton of work there. However, only 62% of those were, tar- were catchable, which was 105th uh, in the NFL. So Kyle Allen is a terrible goddamn quarterback and no longer will he be playing with Kyle Allen. He will be playing with Teddy Bridgewater who can actually hit the side of a barn, uh, the open door of a barn in the side of it. So I, I, and I think that Samuel is going to be used in a far more dynamic way than he was last year. Like he is, he's again, he's the Levistic Chenault kind of guy. He can run sweeps. He can run screens. He can run out of the backfield. He can run line up in the slot. He can get down the field. Like he is a dynamic playmaker. And with Teddy Bridgewater under center, who can actually be able to throw the football to him. I just think that he could, I would not be surprised if he is a guy who suddenly comes out of every, out of nowhere. And everyone's like, Oh shit, 
we should have actually been uh, probably been drafting this guy a lot higher than what we are currently going as wide receiver 60. That is stupid low for him, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the same scenario for pass catchers with the Panthers is pretty close to what could be happening in Jacksonville, not the discord and, you know, everybody hating each other, but more so (laughs) that the, they're not going to be winning a whole lot. I don't think not with that defense, they've had to bring in a a whole platoon of new um, guys on defense using all their draft capital on guys on the other side of the football from Curtis Samuel. So uh, the passing volume could be because they have to pass. (laughs) Nick, who, uh, who's the final player that you, you're targeting? So uh, his, his uh, ADP has shot up quite a bit, um, definitely in high-stakes leagues. I'm, I, it doesn't necessarily look like it has uh, come for the home league crowd, but Antonio Gibson, uh, running back for the Washington football team. Sorry about the noise, boys. Um, this was a guy that I learned a lot more about while writing the, the preview piece over the weekend. What I really like here is the depth chart in Washington consists of Adrian Peterson, a one-dimensional rush-only old running back. He's 35 years old. Bryce Love might not make the team. Peyton Barber, rush-only back. Janie McKissick, kind of a, a never-made-it uh, pass-catching back. Antonio Gibson is a, uh, a rookie running back. He's very talented. He's a very good pass-catcher. Um, I don't recall off the top of my head how much he ended up lining up out wide but the the kind of uh to borrow a Lombardi phrase the straw that stirs the drink here is offensive coordinator Scott Turner Turner was OC in Carolina last year where you might recall they utilized the NFL's premier pass catching back right now they basically have a bunch of old washed up running backs and Antonio Gibson who is an electric uh, pass catching rookie running back he's he's capable rusher uh in his own right as well but the system that that turner and 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 turner's been with head coach ron rivera he was there with in uh in carolina with him too he played a a number of different roles he was like director of personnel or something like that and and quarterbacks coach anyway they know what they want to do they've been around pass catching backs this is the one that they have outside of jd mckissick who if if he's getting you excited okay go ahead and draft him but I think what we're looking at in Antonio Gibson is uh, a player who's going, I believe it was number 167 overall. Yeah, RB51 in half-point PBR. That very well could come out of the gates in week one with 15 touches in this backfield. Um, I think Antonio Gibson has league-winning potential, and everybody needs to be using their last draft pick on him. Yeah, and I saw something come out today. I mean – North Turner and and Ron Rivera. Hey, you know the last running back that they had? Uh, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. The guy can do it all. <clears throat> and they had an offense that took full advantage of that. Obviously, Antonio Gibson, I don't think, is on the level of Christian McCaffrey. But he is a running back who can run between the tackles and can catch passes out of the backfield. Like, he is an explosive receiver. And so I do think that you could see a situation where we are worried about that backfield. We're not sure who's going to lock it up. Is it going to be a committee? And I think we could see like in within the first couple of weeks of this NFL season, Washington and, and Ron Rivera and North Turner being like, clearly Antonio Gibson is our guy. We're running with this young core and we're going to see how it works. And AP, sorry, you'll get your, you know, 50 touches elsewhere. Yeah. I think this is a, a situation where I kind of have to listen to the the relative hype around Antonio Gibson and the fantasy community as soon as Darius Geis was kicked out of town. Um, 
I tend to lean the other way sometimes when uh, a lot of when players are getting some hype and I'm like, oh, where's this coming from? But with Antonio Gibson, I can see it happening just because of the uncertainty surrounding Washington's offense. Like I know Adrian Peterson is like a bionic man, but the cliff has got to come at some point. And if they got a guy who they really think is special and who people are saying is special and can do some things uh, that a lot of backs can't, then you just got to lean into it. And if you're going to use your last pick on it, that's the kind of flyer you want. All right, Jordan, wrap us up. Who is the final player that you cannot leave an NFL draft without? Uh, so, yeah, if we're talking redraft leagues and you're still putting kickers in your redraft leagues, you got to draft a kicker just <laughs> yeah. on the board. Um, and I chose the kicker number four right now, so you're not reaching too high to uh, place this guy in there. But it's Greg Zerline, um, who signed with the Dallas Cowboys. And we've talked a lot about the Cowboys offense, and I think we've come to the consensus that it could be a high scoring one and uh, that puts him in a good position to put up a lot of points Um, you kind of always want to tie your kicker to an offense that scores a lot of points because you're at least guaranteed to get some extra point kicks in there or just get into the red zone in general to help him make some easier kicks Um, so Greg Zerline if people really remember he was with the Rams Uh, last year was kind of a down year he uh, had a foot injury Um, still didn't miss an extra point last year. Um, and he has made four or more 50 plus yard field goals in each of the past three seasons. So he has, um, really earned the nickname, Greg, the leg, cause he can get you those deep ones, which in some leagues is just worth extra points. Um, and another part I'll say, um, I, I like that he's kicking in a dome. So I looked at the Cowboys schedule. He will be in a dome for at least nine games this season. Um, So that means that uh, elements will not be really affecting him in the way that some other kickers might. Um, And you won't be reaching for guys like, I mean, Justin Tucker is usually kicker one that goes off the board. Somebody usually tries to get cute and grabs him like a little too early. Uh, Harrison Butker is another good guy to grab. but yeah, Greg Zerlin, I, I think he can he can do it for you if you're into that sort of thing, grabbing kickers. I love it. This is this is the only place where you're gonna get legit kicker advice is the RB1 podcast, baby. We have so many niches and we're filling them all. Next week, defenses. Next week we will do a deep dive into defenses. Uh just to wrap up this this uh podcast about my home league, because I know everyone cares. Guy in our league, uh, eighth round, drafted the San Francisco 49ers defense <laughs> and then left and went on auto draft from there on out. So clearly it was just like, got to get my defense and then I'm out. See, people tend to, like, with defenses, with kickers, with tight ends sometimes too, they just they try to get a little too cute and they grab them way too early. So got to make sure you're getting them at the right value. Amen. All right, well... There you go. Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, we are there. That is not how not only you will get us, but also our fantasy baseball and basketball podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Dean and Rogers. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Drafts are coming up. If you have any fantasy questions, ping them at us. We would love to talk with you guys. Love to respond. We are happy to give our advice. We will be back at you on Thursday. Until then, peace.